On this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, Paul regales Joe with his tales from Glenside, Pennsylvania's Keswick Theater, where he sees Stephen Wilson. Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special concert series edition of Progressive Blabber, I am joined by my very good friend, Paul Zotter. And tonight, we are going to discuss the Stephen Wilson show that Paul just saw yesterday. Hello friends, Paul here from Progressive Palaver. Just wanted to provide a brief disclaimer prior to getting into this special concert series episode. I was really excited to share my experience of seeing Stephen Wilson at the Keswick Theater, so much so that I probably did not take the time necessary to compile my notes and really prepare the way I would have liked to. So I just wanna clear some of the air before we get started. There's a part in this episode where I cannot pull the name of Adam Holtzman, Stephen Wilson's keyboard player. Adam is an epic keyboard player, and I'm embarrassed that I couldn't pull that out of thin air while discussing. So Adam, sorry about that. I also, unfortunately, referred to guitar player Alex Hutchings as the drummer, Craig Blundell. So just to clear all the air, Craig Blundell is the drummer for Stephen Wilson. I think I got that right somewhere in the, in the episode. But Alex Hutchings is the guitar player on tour with Stephen Wilson, doing a bang-up job and also lots of great YouTube videos that Alex does online featuring his playing and also a lot of gear reviews and the gear that he uses. So big shout out to Alex and apologies for that. Last thing, no audio on this episode. It's sort of a tradition to include audio from the show. I can tell you that the cell phone police were out in droves at the Stephen Wilson concert. By request of the band, I suppose, there was no cell phones allowed during the performance. And because I was pretty close to the front, really close to the security right up front, anytime anyone had a cell phone, boom, security would be right on you. And so I didn't even bother to try to record any audio. So that's it for the disclaimer. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. We have not addressed Stephen Wilson's To the Bone, which we have promised to do, and due to scheduling difficulties, we have not gotten there. However, um, as we mentioned previously, Paul, you saw Stephen Wilson last night. And I did. Special Concert Series Editions is something that we do here on The Palaver. And I think, you know, Stephen Wilson definitely deserves some airtime. Um, you know, Stephen Wilson is is kind of amazing, and I was looking at his his wiki page. I, I guess I hadn't realized that he is self taught. Yeah. And you know, Stephen Wilson has quite the reputation. You know, we saw we saw Stephen Wilson back. What was it? Two thousand seven. We With say that we did. I remember Porcupine Tree being on the the menu of the night, but I. I don't have a lot of recollection unless he was the guy that I walked up to, you know, back at the back of the tent after their performance and introduced myself and told him I was from America and that I thought he was really great. 
which he must have <laughs> just thought I was a complete dumbass. I'm going to give ourselves credit that we have, in fact, seen Porcupine Tree back in 07 at the uh, Marillion Weekend in, what was it, Center Parks, Netherlands, I believe it was called. And, um, you know, from there, when he was opening up for Marillion, and now, you know, Stephen Wilson is like the magic guy. So he has, you know, a bunch of different projects going on. He's got Porcupine Tree. He's got his own thing. He's in and out of Blackfield. He's like the the Uber remixer. If you want someone to remaster your album, um, you know, in Super Duper 5.1, you get Stephen Wilson to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's 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 got a lot of cred going right now, and and he you know he seems well regarded in the circles that you know we here at the Palaver tend to sort of eddy around in. So. You know, the, the, the fact that you had the opportunity to see him, and, and it frustrates me because he was actually here in Dallas several months ago, and I was unable to attend um, that particular show, and I really, really would have liked to, um, especially given my reaction to to the bone. Mm. Uh, and, and again, we haven't, we haven't talked about it officially on the Palaver yet, and I was holding this out, but, you know, I, I can say it here. And, and you and I have discussed um, hand cannot erase. You, yeah. You very much reacted to that. I've never really connected with that album even yet. Um, maybe I need to keep trying. But to the bone, with the exception of like the first forty-five seconds of the of the uh, of the record, I think is spectacular. Wow. I love it, top to bottom. Yeah. Well, you know. So, boy, you said a lot in the last uh, couple of minutes here that I'm <laughs> going to react to. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to touch upon what you just talked about, about how Stephen Wilson is sort of at the top of his game right now. And he is in demand. He is as successful as he's ever been. He continues to do his thing and do his thing unapologetically the way he does his thing. And it is met with acceptance and glory and willing participants at the ticket counter all the steps of the way. And he said something at the very end of his show last night. He opened his statement like this. He said, you know, one of the best things about not being very successful is. And it was like everybody kind of like laughed and chuckled. But like when you think about Stephen Wilson and you think about you know, he's 50 years old, right? Which actually puts him probably right in around the mean age of the audience there last night. He was definitely not, you know, think about progressive, most of us old fogey progressive rock guys, we're still the youngest, we're still younger than the artists, right? Right. But, you know, not in Stephen Wilson's case. He's like the youngster, you know, but we came of age in music where, you know, you know, being successful was, touring large arenas and doing all these great things and and you know being at the wells fargo center the spectrum or whatever it was back in the day and he is at the keswick theater but he sold it out and it's just it's just funny that that he sort of characterized it that way because if you think about stephen wilson is not a household name i can tell my friends at work that i went to see stephen wilson and there's only one guy that i've ever talked to who was like Oh yeah, I love that guy, right? That's it. All the people that I talked to about music, only one guy really knew who Stephen Wilson was. From that perspective, you see that like one of the aspects of not being very successful, right? It's incredible to even think that. 
and yet it is a testament to today's music world when there are so many situations where musicians just seem happy to bitch and moan about the shitty state of affairs and how songwriters don't make money and how difficult it is to tour and oh, there's so much bureaucracy and bullshit that you've got to go through. And here's Stephen Wilson doing his thing and he is selling out the Keswick theater, which you tell, give me an artist that's, that's currently working today who wouldn't be happy to sell out the Keswick theater or any other theater like that. He's playing two nights tonight and tomorrow. He's playing in New York. I mean, he is at the top of his game and he's done it by nothing more than hard work and and commitment to what he's what he's doing. You could even say it is somewhat of a commitment and the resilience of the human spirit, Joe. You could say that, Paul. You're absolutely right in that he he does things his own way. And certainly Hand Cannot Erase is not a stereotypical release. And even and this is this is petty, but even his own sort of aesthetic is very much don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's doing his thing. And like I said, you know, you're you're right. He's not a household name. And, and you know, you have one more person who would know Stephen Wilson than I have people that I know. But for me, you know, the fact that people in the know or people in the industry they're the ones who know who Stephen Wilson is and what Stephen Wilson can do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I want to give, I, I, I have to give another shout out to, uh, to our, our buddies at the yes music podcast. They were talking about the yes singles. So they're doing, they, they did nine Oh one, two, five, two weeks ago in this past mm. week, they did big generator. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there's a lot of discussion on there about, you know, these like dance remixes and everything else. And, and, you know, they're, they're talking about that, but at some point, either, either Kevin or Mark made sort of a casual reference to, you know, oh, well, if you want, you know, your, your Stephen Wilson 5.1 remaster or something like that. And it was, it was just a quick little mention like that, but, but that's exactly what we're talking about, you know, and I, I want to say when I was in London in, in the record store spending all of my money. And I forget which album it was, but there was, oh, it was Marillion's Brave. There, ah. there, there was a big thing, you know, like a big placeholder in the, in the rack for the Stephen Wilson 5.1 um, remaster of Brave was coming out like, you know, the next week or something like nice. that. Nice. This is what he does. So so that being said, let's, you know, this is a special concert series. We sort yeah. of said... We've, we've set enough stage for how wonderful Stephen Wilson is. Paul, tell me about the show, man. What? Well, I'd, I'd love to. So I'm glad that we haven't talked about To the Bone yet. So I saw Stephen Wilson two years ago on the Hand Cannot Erase tour. And, you know, admittedly, my friend Reed texted me out of the blue and said, hey, I've got a couple extra tickets for Stephen Wilson this Sunday night at the Queen, in, at, at the uh, Opera House in Wilmington. Are you interested? And I took a quick check to my calendar and I texted him back. I said, absolutely. Remind me again who Steven Wilson is. Right? <laughs> and, and he said he was the dude from Porcupine Tree. And I'm like, got it. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally in. And so uh, we ended up getting um, our friend Dave Ayers to come as well. And we had like okay. second row seats. 
And I walked into that show. I, you know, I knew some porcupine tree, but I walked into that show never hearing a Stephen Wilson song, at least not knowing I had. Sure. And, and he did the, you know, the Hand Cannot Erase show. And I was completely, completely taken to another place. You know, I spent the next several months just getting into Stephen Wilson and um, a lot of his material. And, you know, you said it like hand cannot erase. I've really connected to that. I, I, I find it inspiring. It's a great it's a, just a great telling of a story. Um, there's just some powerful songs on there. And um, I've, I've loved it. But I will say this when to the bone came out, I'm, you know, even going to the show, you know, I was not, you know, hook, line and sinker going gaga over to the bone. I was very distracted with the early reviews saying that it was like somehow done in the vein of like Peter Gabriel's So and Us and Tears for Fears and all this other stuff. I never hear any of that shit in there. And I don't, the only thing that I can think of why people would say that is here you have a guy that's known for being pretty progressive, delivering more accessible music, which is kind of what Peter Gabriel did when he when he transitioned to his solo career, particularly with the albums So and Us. But musically, I don't think it has anything to do with the other. But let me tell you, seeing the performances of the songs from To The Bone, just this morning, listening to it in the car, I was like, I so love this album. I am, <laughs> I am so into it now. So... And some of it has to do with the presentations of the song. So one of the genius things that he does is, you know, how many bands put movies to go with their music on the back of, you know, behind the stage, which he also does. He also puts like this scrim type material in front of them. It's not quite a scrim. So a scrim is something that if you light it from the front, it's opaque. You can't see behind it. But if right. you light it from the back you um you can see behind it right but it's this clear screen that goes across and you can it, it's totally transparent so you can see him you almost don't even realize that you're looking through a screen when you're watching it but it gives him the ability to project images in front of the band or superimpose them on on top of the band and it's 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 really quite quite artistic so he they bring that up in the front and they start with this with this movie, and on the set list FM site, it's called the Truth. You know, is the is the name of the short film, but uh -huh. it's and it came over the loudspeaker where they say, you know, we're going to sh start with a short film. This will help us understand what type of audience you will be and what you will react to tonight. And, and very artistically, it shows different images with different words. So it shows words like truth, religion, and news and deception, other things. And all of the words that they showed, they would show a picture that was, you know, very accessible to you or me or anybody else. And then they would go through and show all of the same pictures with all of the same words, but they would superimpose the words over different pictures now. And so, you know, truth, instead of it being, you know, in a picture that would be to you and I, the the true depiction of truth, it would be over the picture that that they had the word lies over before, right? So, really? so it sort of started to twist your your perception 
and sort of start to prod your mind. And as it did, it had this swelling, foreboding music. You know, to me, Stephen Wilson is a, is a master at no matter what he is doing, no matter what the song is is presenting, there's always a little bit of creepiness underneath it all. Um, yeah. It, it's really fascinating to me, but it, it, it introduced that. And then they opened, they, they blasted right into Nowhere Now. And Nowhere Now has a very rhythmic... Um, section rhythmic chorus but it starts out on the album very very slow with piano but they just busted right into it and and the presentation of of nowhere now live i think was was so much better than than what you get on the album and um and he is playing he spent a little time talking about a 63 telly and he is playing this telly and it fucking sounds the balls dude it sounds so fucking huge (laughs) <laughs> and all night long he was playing it and I just was like, yes. And, you know, he talked a little bit about how the making of the album really had a lot to do with him getting this Stratocaster or the Telecaster and the different sound of the Telecaster and sort of its aggressive biting tone kind of um, write the feel of the album and, and contribute to it. So, um, so that was really cool. Um, they went into Pariah next, which is just a fantastic song um, featuring Nina Tayeb, who's the backing vocalist. Um, she did oh, a lot so, of. So she got to sing that. Yeah, so she wasn't there, but on the scrim part in front of the, they projected her face and had a pre-recording of her singing, which was just really cool, really, really cool. While Stevens like playing and singing along, they have her face right on right basically superimposed on top of him um singing that and again i thought that that was um a beautiful uh beautiful version i'm sitting (laughs) i'm sitting here while you're talking and i'm like i'm shopping telecaster ah there you go (laughs) there you go because because i'm thinking i'd like to get one that's that's not a a semi-hollow body so i can you know have the full telecaster experience but anyway well (laughs) there are many out there joe there are many out there so I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna probably go through the setlist pretty quick because the problem that I have is I don't really know any of the Stephen Wilson songs by name. With the setlist FM would be much better if it just said like you know, you know, track seven from Hand Cannot Erase, right? Um, right. I can help you out if you if you'd like because I've got I happen to have the to the bone right here and I've got the setlist or the track list for Hand Be- Cannot Erase up. Beautiful. But basically, the the coolest thing is right after the second tune, he basically settles us in and says, you know, hey, we're, we're going to play through a lot of stuff tonight, mostly through the new album and the last album and then some stuff from Porcupine Tree. And uh, we're going to be here till 11 o'clock. So, you know, we're going to have a great time. So, you know, I kind of had a little bit of a tirade about, you know, an Armorillion concert special edition around my distaste for the fact that everyone wants to sit at concerts now and everyone yells at people who stand up. I do recall that. I believe it sounded something like, sit down! (laughs) So so he says, we're going to be here till 11 o'clock. And he says, and listen, he's like, I much prefer performing to an audience that stands up. You know, like, fucking Stephen Wilson is the man. He basically said to the audience, I don't want you sitting down tonight. I want you standing up. So everybody stands up 
to do the to do the next song and literally five minutes into the song like not even five minutes like a minute into the song everybody sits back down <laughs> so there was this entire part of the night sort of the subtext of the night where he was commenting on how we were sitting down and how he <laughs> wanted us to stand up and he wanted us to dance and get into the songs and we are all just too fucking old and lazy and we just want to sit down and 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 be entertained. And so uh, I'll get back to that in a, in a second, but he he kept harping on that the whole time. So they went into two songs from Hand Cannot Erase. They went through Home Invasion and Regret Number 9. These are pretty rocking songs on the second half of the album. There's great guitar work. And perhaps the coolest part is an elongated solo elongated keyboard solo in fact most of the time when i get to this track on when i'm listening to hand cannot erase i just fast forward i actually hit right to regret number nine because that's really where the keyboard solo is and i just listen to the solos and i'm kind of upset with myself right now because i'm trying to scroll through and I, for the life of me i cannot remember the um the name of the keyboard player who is with Steven Wilson and who's been with him for quite a while now. Um, and he is, he is every bit of a progressive rock keyboard player than, than anyone we've ever heard. And he fucking destroys this portion of the set last night with just this ravenous keyboard solo over regret number nine. And um, and it was funny. I I thought it was a funny choice to put this one in in all the songs, but there are a lot of keyboard lines in "To the Bone" that are just not that great, you know, compared to some of the other things that he's been able to do in in previous right. previous um albums. So when when Stephen records, does he play his his all the instruments, or does he have musicians with him? He does have musicians with him. His bass player, drummer, definitely a guitarist. Um, although I believe on To The Bone, he did most of the guitar work because his previous solo albums, his drummer and guitar player were from a band called The Aristocrats. The, the, the drummer is Marco Min, Min, Miniman, and I may be saying that wrong. And then his guitar player is Guthrie Govan. And Guthrie Govan is just the most insane guitar player of the modern day. I mean, the guy is, um, is crazy. And the aristocrats are just, I, I'm, they're almost like the primus of today, but they're much okay. more jazzy in nature rather than sort of like a grungy kind of, they're, they're just off the charts sick with their musicianship, but they also have this very English sort of sense of humor and, and intelligence about them that makes them extra incredible. Guthrie Govin can bend a string like anyone, no one. I mean, he is he is completely singular in the way that he plays guitar, I believe. And they, when I saw that the Hand Cannot Erase tour, Guthrie and Marco had left the band because they were going to go back to tour with the Aristocrats and put out and work on a new album. Mm -hmm. And so his guitar player uh, on that tour was Dave Klimminster. And Joe, you've seen him with the Roger Waters band. He is the oh, lead guitar player okay. there. Awesome. And so I believe that's where Dave uh, Kilminster so, is now. So he's he's a hired gun. Uh, he would be a hired gun. 
I think I said his name wrong. It's Kilminster. So Dave Kilminster. And he is a hired gun, apparently uh, available to the highest bidder, because I believe he's currently touring with Roger Waters right now instead of Stephen Wilson. You you think Roger Waters is paying more? I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Roger Waters is in, you know, he's his us and them tours. I mean, he's all over the world. I, I follow him on Twitter. He's he's been all sorts of places recently. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's pretty cool. Some really great performances they did. The creator has a masterpiece, or I'm sorry, a master tape. Great song title, by the way. It is a great song title, and it's a great song, and the guitars are just so fucking massive in that. And uh, and I think that is the one area where, like, Craig Blundell really just brought it home, like, in these Porcupine Tree songs. Like, holy shit. Um, the sum of the guitar tones. I don't know that I've been at a show recently where the guitar tones, probably not since the last time I saw King's X, where the guitar tones were just, during the night, so monstrous it was it was uh was unbelievable just uh just really great stuff went into more to the bone went into refuge which is more of a ethereal type of song i think pretty awesome i don't have a lot of memories to share with you about that one people who eat darkness was fucking rocking this is a song go ahead ask about that because people who eat darkness is i mean it's it's a pretty creepy song yeah it's very creepy and they created a video that takes the creepiness to the next level. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't know, Joe, if you've seen any of his uh, his videos. I, I think I've sent you the video for um, Routine, which is from Hand Cannot Erase, which is about as melancholy as you can get. Right, um, yes. But there's also uh, a, a really a video for one of my favorite songs by Stephen Wilson is the, um, is the Raven That Refused to Sing. And there's this just incredibly intense video. It's it's so beautiful, and yet there's this undercurrent of creepiness throughout the whole entire song. And people who eat darkness, oh man, the, it was so it was so cool. Like the video and the way you just kind of lost yourself in the moment. There, it was pretty awesome. So he used the the screen in front of him. Was it there the whole time, or did it kind of come and go depending on what he was doing? And I should have said this before. So in Pariah, Ninette, you know, she's on. She's projected onto the screen, right? And then after that song, they pulled the screen away, and they would keep bringing it back throughout. But like for for uh, people who eat darkness, that was a projection on the back screen the that back. they had. Um, they did ancestral, which again, it was great. I don't have much thoughts about that from the song that they ended the set with that and they took a small break and then they came back on to do their second set and they opened the second set with arriving somewhere, but not here by porcupine tree. I'm fascinated by the next two songs in this set. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 So arriving somewhere, not here is a fucking great song. That's on Deadwing. I think I may have said the creator has a master tape. I think that might actually be on. Yeah, it's in it. That one's on in absentia. So sorry about that. So arriving somewhere not here from on Deadwing. I'm, I'm going to honestly say I, I didn't really wasn't very familiar with the song. Again, a great video with those overexposed video shots where it looks like there's like constant lights, headlights coming at you and blurring through. And, you know, Stephen Wilson has this way about him where he makes these hand gestures. He'll just like sort of stand sort of erect and then just put his arm out or put his arm out towards you. And he did this great thing where he like lifted his arm up like this, like uh, arriving somewhere. And then he would point down it's like, but not here. And it was just captivating. It was a great way to open the set. So then 
permeating, right? Not 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 something I would say was my is my number one favorite track on To the Bone. But he warned us about this, and he gave a nice little talk beforehand about how he had heard that there was a lot of to do on social media about people sort of being upset that he wrote and completed a song on his record, you know, that was permeating, that it was this happy. So he gave this big talk about how he grew up in a household with parents who loved the Carpenters, the Bee Gees, just like all of our parents did. Right. But also like Dark Side of the Moon and all of this other stuff, right? So he said he he, he grew up not even really thinking that about genres like he said he loved dark side of the moon just as much as he loved joyous pop music and he right. said he, he always thinks that he has some sort of pop sensibility in his his music and he said so he's like i want you all to stand up and i want you to dance while we play this next song and he's like and i see all you out there with your king crimson shirts on and he said <laughs> you know if you've never had to dance move at a show before he said just look at some of the people who are who are around you and i can tell you the version of permanent the permanating live was a hundred times better than than the album i i think the vocal performance was better and a little bit more it was his vocals overall through the night were just a little bit more raw which made it so great even when he went to falsetto they were just a little bit more raw and dynamic and it was so good in permeating. And and I came out of that song thinking, wow, there's a band called Scissor Sister. They do a lot of like English pop kind of stuff. They have a couple of songs that whose names I can't remember now. And I thought, man, this would be a great song for them to do. This would fit perfectly for them. He did it great. Everybody stood up. There were a few people trying to dance. We we didn't do a good job disco dancing, but at least we stood up for the whole song. There you so, go. So I'm it was... Sure happy once we do our full episode on this album we'll we'll talk about it but i had some problems with permeating when i first started listening to this um and and it it took me a little bit but i i will say that i was able to sort of come around and for lack of a better term come to peace with it and 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 appreciate it for what it is now having heard the story that you just um relayed it 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 just makes that even all the better. So I'm glad I'm glad that you 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 did that. But but looking at this, going from permeating into Song of I, which is again one of the the heavier, darker type, yeah, you know, more melancholy aspects of of To the Bone. That seemed like a very jarring transition, perhaps. I don't remember how they transitioned it. It may have just been a little bit of you know. Everybody, everybody being done. They brought the scrim back in front. You know, they they kind of bring it across like a curtain, and they tie down the bottom ends. And they did this song. And again, I I I really hope I would love for him to put out a live album around this tour because, you know, he's at the top of his game, and the artistry that's going on in this show is is I, there. I don't think there's anything like it on this scale like I, nobody is going into the keswick theater and doing this like yes roger waters might be doing this at arenas right nobody's doing this kind of show well, and, and 
I, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. But, you know, we, we've threatened to talk about the Us and Them show with Roger Waters mm-hmm. um, just because from a, a visual standpoint, it was completely unexpected. Totally blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, and but we we've never done it. But anyway, please continue. Yeah. So Sophie Hunger sings this. And again, they've got a tape of her singing along to the track. And he's doing his thing, but they have the stage is very dark. And then they had this woman dancing um, and and they just did a lot of very cool. So she's doing all of these sensual kind of dances and it's sort of in an outline. Right. It's 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 not like a, 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 a you can see the person, but it becomes like this outline, draw, almost like drawing of her. And then it separates into like four different people doing it and. It almost looked like at times it was interacting with with Stephen Wilson while he was singing and, and while she really? and it was just very psychedelic and it, it came across great. And one of the things that I like to say about this song is that throughout To the Bone, and one of the things I don't necessarily like about the recording of To the Bone, there are these sections of the song where there's like a drum loop that comes in. It's not real drums. It's you know, it's like a drum machine playing. And I get it. It's cool. It's kind of like hip to produce music like that. But I, I just don't like it as much. Marillion does it a lot, too. It happens a lot in fear. What was really cool about about this is that although I think there may have been some some like drum machine playing, like all of the different snare sounds that come from these uh, these like like drum machines were sampled and they were actually played by the drummer, which I thought was fantastic. Craig Blundell was was playing. He looks nothing like Colby. And um <laughs> but one of the coolest things is that in these in these parts where they're sort of like sampled drums, he's playing them, right? So he was playing like elect- electronic drums and and which I just thought added a little bit of um something to the show. I'm not really sure. Uh I just it's just always nice to see people playing the instrument rather than, you know, just waiting to come in on their part um, right. from a drum machine. So I thought that was that was really well done. Song of I was very well done. And then Lazarus, which is, you know, for a porcupine tree song, a fairly lighthearted, I would say, compared, you know, to others that they have, uh, was was awesome. It was a perfect spot in the set for that. And they did it great. And it's almost sing-songy at times. I don't know how long it's been since Stephen Wilson per- performed Lazarus, but it was really cool to see that too. The next two tracks, Joe, are really somewhat of a show stealer. Really? So I can tell you this, that that the song Detonation, I, I don't even know that I had gotten through it one whole time before the concert. I admit that freely. Really? It starts with this really goofy electronic, like rhythmic thing that's that you just can't follow with mm. these like ethereal guitars. And it's just kind of, there's different vocal effects throughout it. It kind of takes a, like a couple minutes to build up. And then when it does, it just kind of, it just kind of builds into this sort of boom tap kind of thing. So, so for a lot of reasons that are, are, are completely invalid, I just never really cared about this song. It was presented with a video and it fucking rocked. And the end of this song has this sort of funk jam to it. Right. And yeah, this was a part of the night where you could tell they were just fucking rocking their asses off. 
And Stephen Wilson's walking up to the front of the audience playing his guitar, playing like the like the funky guitar part. And we're all just standing, sitting there like bumps on a fucking log watching him. <laughs> Meanwhile, they are fucking rocking it out. And they had this great dancing sequence on the back screen where they had these the silhouette. It was it wasn't a silhouette, actually. It was like a it was a woman's body and she was completely draped head to toe. You couldn't see her. She was covered with this like black lace kind of costume that was skin tight. And she would do this dance and she would reach over and tap the forehead of another like twin. She would do the exact same dance, reach over, and it would just keep going and going until they would just be in this marching motion where they were marching while everybody was jamming out until you had the video screen completely covered with these people marching, you know, all together. And um, because I never really paid much attention to the song, I, I don't really know much, much about it right now, which is I'm a, a little shame. What I do remember is generally loving the entire back half of, yeah. this, of this album. So like blank tapes is kind of cool, but, but for me, people who eat darkness, song of I detonation and song of unborn are like, you know, I, I just, I find this this back half of this album to be super wonderful, proggy, dark, and creepy. Yes. The reason I'm bringing this up is that there seemed to be this, this point of indetonation about, you know, going along with what everybody is doing. And, and yes, I'll go along and I'll follow the orders. And the dancing that was happening on the screen during this big drawn out section at the end, um, fit so well with that and it and it as funky and cool as it was it sort of delivered that sort of creepy creepy undertone similar to the very opening movie that they showed before before the the show started and then from that they go into the same asylum as before i fully expected stephen wilson just to throw his guitar down and walk off the stage after the song because these guys were rocking so hard on this song and the 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 part where it's like like it was just so jamming and his telecaster was just so fucking righteous and everybody is just fucking sitting there like bumps on a log like watching it was like unbelievable so i already liked that song like that was one of the songs that really stuck out to me that was like that i loved but the performance of that song was just elevated again completely so uh they ended the show with vermilion core and sleep together which i'm not too they're like vermilion core is sort of like instrumental-ish if you will sleep together not very familiar with that it was also um it was a cool cool way to end but like the thing that stole it for me was they did heart attack in a lay-by it's a porcupine tree song that just has the most righteous guitar sounds of the night. They, I don't know if they were playing baritone guitars or what, but when they hit the guitar break, it was just like, holy shit. Like you thought the floor <laughs> was going to drop out from under you. And um, it was, it was, it was every bit as epic as it probably had been back in the day. Maybe, maybe, maybe even more. That's awesome. So the sound of Muzak is uh, one of my favorite porcupine tree songs. And that was what they did with the um, the first song of the encore. If there is a sing-songy chorus in any Stephen Wilson or Porcupine Tree song, this is one of them. 
even at the end of the solo section, like he stood in front of his microphone and kind of like a gesture to the crowd, like, hey guys, you sing it, go ahead. <laughs> and and didn't work I, out. I tried, I tried to like get, get, you know, I did my part, let's just say that. Well, but, and, 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 you know, I, I, having been to concerts and hockey games with you, I can absolutely 100% believe that you did. <laughs> but dude, it was, it was pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. Even to the point where you could see, you could see Steven saying like, that's it. Like, that's all you fucking have. Like we just, we just fucking destroyed you for like two and a half hours. And that's all you got. I couldn't go help but think back in my mind to the Marillion concert that we saw at the Keswick. When Hogarth Hogarth. Started. Yeah. yeah. He was like, is everybody out their ice cream and everything? Is everybody all set? You know, like it just, it, so Stephen Wilson even said that next time he tours, he's not going to play any seated arenas. Every arena he plays is going to be standing only. <laughs> he is literally telling the people that he doesn't want them sitting down. And yet there's still amazing. still people yelling, sit down, sit down. I just, I don't understand what's happened to us as a concert going well, society. Exactly, because, I mean, granted we were younger, but I, I, when we would go to see shows, you know, back in the day, whether it was, whether it was Def Leppard or Yes or whatever, I mean, once that, once the headliner came up on stage, you didn't sit down. Exactly. Everybody exactly. stood up. And, you know, the one time I remember that starting to change was the talk tour in Nashville. Wow. I specifically remember John Anderson telling everybody, sit down, relax. Let me tell you about Magical Moss. Well, that's when he was reading his lyrics off of a notebook, too. So, yeah, that was Holy that shit. was that was yeah, that was not John's uh, crowning achievement. That was a dark time. That a was, dark time. <laughs> and, and and they had Billy Sherwood stuck in the back of the stage. Yes, yes. It's like don't don't come down that little ramp. Just stay up there. But that has nothing to do with Stephen Wilson. No. Um, and so then at the end, so it, you know, for the encore, everybody was standing the whole time. Good. Excellent. He end, yes, even though we couldn't sing to save our lives. He ends the night with the song of Unborn. He noted certain songs that he sings. They bring a chair out for him, and he sits down, and he sings cross-legged. And he noted the irony that he said, here I am after complaining to you all night that you guys are sitting down. He's like, I'm going to perform the last song sitting down while you're finally standing up. And so he noted the irony. He talked about the song of Unborn being a melancholy song, but that focused on how crazy the world is. But, you know, we have no choice but to go on and we have a gift of life and we need to do everything we can to do something extraordinary with it. And a really impressive video that went behind the song. It, although it was on a, on a lower note to end the night, you know, it really brought home for me that, you know, we have somebody that is a true artisan in in performance. And I, I don't know that, I don't see a lot of shows, but I don't know that we have somebody like Stephen Wilson who is doing new things and doing them in such an 
artistic fashion and and just being sort of this purveyor of art that we just haven't seen and that and that and his drive and his willingness to do that and stick to it and continue to deliver is is what's made him be at the top of his game right now and and the song of the unborn really drove that home for me because the video was beautiful the song was beautiful and um it just really brought it all together for me you know and and it's it's funny you should say that because as you've been describing this concert and some of the things that you've been talking about and everything else the word that keeps popping up in my head is is artist not musician mm. or songwriter or guitarist but artist I would be interested to to learn, and I don't know how I would do this short of maybe we need to call up Stephen Wilson, you know, to to find out how much of a hand he has in this visual aspect of these shows. Given the fact that Stephen seems very passionate about art across all genres, I mean, if you yeah, know, just just looking at at the the visuals for To the Bone, it's you know there's there's a lot going on here, and it, you know I I don't know Stephen Wilson, I I don't besides loving Blackfield and and having a couple albums and yeah. having seen him in 2007, I don't know that much about him, but the impression that I get is I I could easily believe that he has a a large hand in in the visual design of his shows as well. Maybe we need to do some research and figure that out, but you know, I, I can totally believe it. And you're, you're right in that he's passionate about this. And this, the one thing I saw, I remember when to the bone came out and there was a video, I believe it was posted on Twitter in the days leading up to the actual album release. And it was him performing pariah it would look like I don't know if it was a TV set or like the middle of a mall, but it was yeah. it was him and his band, and he was just he was sitting on a stool. He was barefoot. Um, he had he had the female singer with him, and I just I, I just remember this you know because I hadn't heard the album obviously yet, but I just remember it being so beautiful, and I was just struck by the way he presented it. I mean, there, and there wasn't any stage show that, that, that went with it. Just the way the song was structured and the fact that he had chosen to, to perform and, and release this particular song, which, you know, Pariah is beautiful, but I don't know if you want to you hook a lot of people in to go buy an album. You know, maybe that, you know, we, we've talked a lot on the Palaver about, you know, single options. I, I don't know that that would be the first one out of the gate. But for me, it was it was very engaging. So it was it was a good choice. You know, it, it's funny how we're talk we we talk so much about progressive rock and the artistry of it all, and yeah, we definitely need to talk more about Stephen Wilson. I do think, from a certainly a, a musical perspective, there is very much an integrity, if that's the right word, to what Stephen is doing. And and I do think, you know, you, you have the conversation of what is progressive rock and Stephen Wilson, he's carrying the torch these days. Yeah. And not to say that, you know, he's the only one doing it, but he for sure is the one that is breaking through to to the masses yeah. in, in a big way. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to see him. And I'm even more disappointed that I was unable to see him when he was in Dallas. Um, it definitely sounds like something that I would have enjoyed tremendously. 
Well, there's still time, Joe. He's still continuing his tour. Um, oh, okay. Although you may have to go to um, California or perhaps South America um, to catch it. Um, I'm not going to go to South America, but uh, <laughs> California is always a possibility. Excellent. So any other uh, closing thoughts? The thing that comes to mind when I think about this is how <clears throat> we've talked about it in so many different aspects when we've talked through so many of the albums that we've covered on Progressive Palaver, how we didn't realize how great a song was or how great an album was until we saw it live. And we saw the the expression of that piece live and it changed our perspective. And ever since then, we've loved the song or something like that. And yeah. the funny thing about Stephen Wilson is that it reminds me of like my morning jacket, right? Every time I see my morning jacket, I, I feel like I have an out of body experience. I mean, it's just incredible that I just don't, I just don't care that much about their, their albums. And Stephen Wilson, I've seen him live twice. And at both times I've come away wanting to listen to more of his stuff and getting to know more of his stuff. So I, I, I think it just underscores the difference in a live performance from a recorded performance, particularly in the genre that's more progressive. Anyone who you know has Stephen Wilson coming to their town that's listening to this, I highly recommend checking it out. Like I said, I really hope he puts a live album out from this tour. He's in top form. That would be awesome. Hey, did you get any merch? I just got a shirt, actually. Um, okay. Picked up a Raven that refused to sing t-shirt because I love that cover. Yeah. My friend Reed got, uh, he picked up a couple vinyl pieces. He picked oh, up, nice. I know he picked up an autograph to the bone on vinyl. I don't know what the other one was. So that's awesome. I'm glad we got to talk about this and I look forward to talking about to the bone and Stephen Wilson in general, whenever we get a chance for you, Ken and I to sort of break away and, and record a couple of extra episodes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your experience, and we thank all of you for listening to this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver. We, as always, welcome your thoughts and your feedback and your input. We are available on the major forms of social media, those being Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Progpala on all of those, or you can search for Progressive Palaver. And Progressive Palaver is also available via email. We are progpala at gmail.com. And the podcast is available for download and subscription on both iTunes and Google Play. And we are hosted on SoundCloud. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.